J.C. Rawls said that that was the best uh, hymn written in the English language. I would not argue against that. <laughs> what a hymn. Turn back to John 3.16. Um, on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, we'll have one service at 11 a.m. Christmas Day and New Year's Day next week. I have entitled this morning's message, The Love of God. The Love of God. There really is no human parallel. God is other. His love is other. And if we try to make it out to be like human love, we bring it down. God is love. Not, here's the definition of love and God fits that description. God is love. Now, the love I'm going to be speaking of, I hope from what the Bible teaches, is so unlike the way, quote, Christianity portrays his love. You know, I uh, say without apology that I don't want to be identified with Christianity. I hate it. But I love the gospel. I love what God declares of himself. The love of God. Now this passage of scripture that I just read may be the most often quoted passage in all the word of God. Uh, I've looked at uh, athletes and they'll have John 3.16 on their cheeks, you know, and it's um, supposed to have a definite message for them. And while it is a wonderful verse of scripture, I love John 3.16. Love it. It's also one of the most misunderstood and misrepresented verses of scripture in all the word of God. And we'll see that in as we consider this subject, the love of God. I want to say it that way, the love of God. Now, we all have different kinds of loves, but they're not parallel to this love, the love of God. Notice in our text, it says, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Now, this is the same world that hates him. The cross is the reminder and the proof of that. This world hates God. God so loved the world. Oh, the love of God. God so loved the world. God 
is love. And the reason for God's love is found in his character. Don't miss that. Somebody says God loves unconditionally. No, it doesn't. There's no such thing as unconditional love. There's a song that was on the radio a few years ago. I don't know it was a country and western. Always talking about unconditional love. And everybody, there's no such thing. God loves you as you're in Christ if he loves you. He doesn't love you unconditionally. He loves you because you're in Christ. And in Christ, you're altogether lovely. God's reason for love is found in himself. Now, I want to read a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. You know why the Lord loved you? Because he loved you. The reason is found in his glorious character. God is love. God must love because God is love. Now, I repeat, John 3.16 is perhaps the most well-known verse in the Bible. Maybe the judge not might be a more well-known verse because people used to love that. Judge not. You can be participating in some kind of horrible action and if somebody confronts you, but don't judge me. And uh, that is used quite often, no doubt. But I would think John 3.16 is probably the most well-known verse of Scripture in all of the Word of God. And it's also the, mis the most misunderstood verse of Scripture in all the Word of God. And let me tell you why. Most people, when they use John 3.16, most preachers, and if they preach this way, they're not preaching the gospel, they're not preaching the living God. Most preachers use this verse of Scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What that means is God loves you. God wants to save you. God wants to forgive you of your sins. God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you. But it won't happen unless you believe. God loves all men without exception. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. But there's something you need to do in order for him to be able to get what he wants. Universal love. And this is where most preaching begins. God loves you. God loves you. Let me give you two major problems with that. Number one, he may not. Romans chapter 9 verse 13 is a quotation from Malachi chapter 1 where God said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. That is God 
speaking. I know he didn't love Esau. Thou hatest, the scripture says, in Psalm 5, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. That's a pretty big demographic, isn't it? In the book of Acts, we have the sermons of the apostles, the Acts of the Apostles, and we have the recorded sermons of Peter, of Paul, and you know something that is conspicuously absent, absent in every one of these sermons? This word, the love of God. Now, the love of God is certainly implied in every message. But the word love or the love of God is not mentioned in one of their sermons. Why is that? It's true. You can look it up for yourself. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, did he mention the love of God? He certainly implied it in what he said, but the actual love of God is not mentioned in their preaching. Why is that? Here's why. Gospel preaching, true gospel preaching, does not begin with God loves you. True gospel preaching begins with our state before the living God. It begins with our guilt before the living God. Now, here's where gospel preaching must begin. Not telling you that God loves you, not trying to prove the existence of God. My state before God. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 says this. We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. I mean, you are under God's law, whether we... Acknowledge it or not, whether we like it or not, God's God. And here's what God has to say to every son of Adam. We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world stand guilty before God. Now that's where we begin. Somebody says, well, what about the love of God? Listen, the love of God is behind salvation. God is love. And the re- God didn't send his son to make a way for him to love, but because he did love. But where we begin in preaching is the sinner's state before this holy God, guilty as charged. It would be wrong to assure the sinner that God loves him. For one thing, he doesn't love everybody. That's what scripture teaches. He doesn't love everybody. Somebody says, well, why would you make an emphasis like that? Because the first thing somebody thinks was, how could that be fair? How could it be fair for him to not love everybody? Well, that Paul anticipated that uh, objection when he said, Jacob, if I loved and he saw if I hated, well, what should we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is God unfair? Is God wrong? Now, let me say something. Anytime I start becoming God's judge, God's unfair in that. I'm in a place where I shouldn't be. 
I don't have any right or ability to judge God. And I think when somebody says, well, it's not, it's not right for him to not love everybody. Listen to me. If salvation was in my hands or your hands, you know how many people would be saved? None. Except me. At, one, at some point, I'd say, oh, I love you. I really do. But at some point, you'd cross me one too many times. I'd say, send him to hell. And you do the same thing. You do the same thing. We talk about this uh, uh, God is love. Me and you, we love ourselves. <laughs> We're good at that. We love ourselves. We love those people that can help us. But God's love's not like that. God so loved the world. What glorious love. You see, the assurance of God's love is only for the believer. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the assurance of the believer of God's love. And I want to understand whether I can have that assurance with regard to myself, with regard to God's love. Now, when preachers speak of the universal love of God um, toward sinners, all sinners without exception, they really make the love of God meaningless. If God could love me and send me to hell, what good would his love do for me? As a matter of fact, let's say you love your child. You love your child. And your child is in a place of danger. And what if you said to your child, now I love you and I don't want you to be in this place of danger, but I'm not going to violate your free will. And the place of danger they're in, let's say they're playing out in the street and a car comes along and runs over them. What would you do with somebody who had a love like that? You know, they'd be put in jail, wouldn't they? And yet that's what men attribute God's love to. He loves you. He wants to, he wants to keep you out of hell, but he's not going to violate your free will. He's, he's going to do everything he can. To, to, he wants to save you, but he can't. It's up to you. If a parent had that kind of love to a child, they'd be in prison for it. Now that's how serious this is. Like I said, God's love is other. Don't try to... Put something human to it. God's love is other. It's altogether glorious. Now, I could say God so loved the world that he gave his son. If you believe on him, you'll be saved. I can say that to every creature. I can say to every creature, if you come to Christ, you'll be received. I can say that to everybody universally. And I say it to everybody universally. If I, I can say... Um, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call on his name, you'll be saved. This isn't keeping anybody out of the kingdom of heaven. Well, I want to be saved, but God didn't love me. That never happened. That never happened. It's not like somebody says, oh, I want mercy. Nope, you're not one of the elect. I don't love you. It doesn't work that way. That's totally wrong. To present it in that way is wrong. If you believe, you'll be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. So don't anybody uh, think, well, uh, this message with regard to the love of God is keeping people out of heaven. No, it's not. It's bringing people into heaven. People who would have most certainly been damned had not God loved so freely, so gloriously, so graciously. It brings people into heaven. This doesn't say stay out. It says come on in. Come on in. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now, with regard to the love of God, and Lord willing, within a few weeks, I want to do an exposition of uh, verses 16 through 18, a whole message on that, but I just want to talk about God's love this morning. Uh, Christ pronounced a woe on the Pharisees in Luke eleven forty two because they paid tithes. They had all their ducks in a row. They had their religion figured out. They paid tithes, but they neglect the love of God. Boy, I don't want to do that, do you? Let me th tell you three things. I want God to love me. And I want to love God. And I want to know what it means to preach the love of God the way it should be preached. And I pray that that happens this morning. The love of God. And the first thing I'd like to say about the love of God is that the love of God is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul said, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I am in Christ, I have all of the love of God. And I have it to this extent the Lord said in John chapter 17, verse 23, Thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now you think of the impact of that statement with regard to all God loves in Christ, those in Christ. He says, Thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And I wouldn't dare believe that were it not in the word of God. Thou hast loved them. You know what that means? That means if I'm in Christ, God loves me, Todd Nybert, with the same love that he has toward his son. What kind of love is that? I love that scripture. 1 John four seventeen. As he is... Speaking of the Son of God, as He is, so are we in this world. Is the Son of God altogether lovely to His Father? Does the Father look at the Son and say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased? You know what? He says the same thing of you if you're in Christ. He says, This is my beloved Son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. All of God's love is in the Lord Jesus Christ. His love is not outside of Christ. 
It's in Christ. Secondly, the love of God is sovereign. What's that mean? He loves whom he will. And he stated that, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. I've heard people say, well, that means he loved uh, Esau less. Can God love less? Is that possible? And it doesn't say that. It doesn't say Jacob have I, or Esau have I loved less. It says Esau have I hated. Now, I want to remind you, God's hatred is not like my hatred and your hatred. When we hate somebody, we're being vindictive, we're being wrong, we're being jerks. We're, uh, it, it's, our hatred is evil, and we're called upon to love our enemies, as Scripture says. Um, but God's hatred is not like that. God's hatred is because he's absolutely, perfectly just and pure and without sin. That's where his hatred comes from. It's a holy hatred. It's a perfect hatred. Not like ours. Ours is evil. Ours is wrong. Everything about ours is just wrong, sin, not God. His love is a sovereign love. Listen to this scripture from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 3 and 4. You can turn there if you want, but let me read it. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee, therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Now that speaks of the absolute sovereignty of his love. John chapter 13, verse 1, we read concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, having loved his own. He loved them to the end. I love the way John describes himself as that disciple that Jesus loved. He never mentions his own name. Here's his only identity, that disciple which Jesus loved. Loved. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is speaking of his love to his people. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. God's love is no generic love. Now, when I marry people, I performed a lot of marriage over the years. I don't know how many. But one of the things I say in the vows, you're to prefer her or him to all others. You know something I've never had anybody say, hey, wait a minute, that's not fair. I object to that. Oh, okay. Uh, this is speaking of God's special saving love to his people. When you marry someone, you're going to be true to that person alone, till death alone shall part you. That is your, and does, does, well, that's, you ought not love that person like that. You ought to love everybody like that. No, you shouldn't. There's just another example of our foolish views 
unhuman views of the love of God that we put on it. Um, God's love is always saving love. God's love is always saving love. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in love, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Now there won't be anybody in hell that God loves. Amen? There won't be anybody in hell that Jesus Christ paid for their sins. Oh, the love of God. It's saving love. The love of God provides everything for the salvation of the objects of his love. <laughs> That's why nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Love, God's love is always saving love. God's love is eternal. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, God says, Behold, I have loved you. And this is said to every believer. This is said to many people sitting in here right now. Behold, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know what that means? That means there was never a time when God began to love me. Eternally. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. His love is eternal. Everything God does is eternal. He is not bound by space or time. He's the eternal God. And his love is eternal. The love of God is, listen to this word, the love of God is predestinating love. Here's the scripture. In love, having predestinated, destinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, predestination is just God being God. God is the God of predestination. And let me ask you a question. Listen, let me put this down in human terms. If you have a child and you could predestinate that child to be perfectly conformed to the image of Christ, would you do it? Sure you would. Sure you would. Somebody says, no, I would. Yeah, I, I don't believe you for a second. If you were able to do that, you'd do it. God is able. Because he's God, he has the power to predetermine, predestinate somebody to be perfectly conformed to the image of his son. I love the scripture and all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose.
God's love is predestinating love. I think it's amazing that most of what goes on under the name of Christianity doesn't have anything to do with predestination. But God is the God of predestination. And that predestination is not just some kind of blind fate. It's predestinating his people to be perfectly conformed to the image of his blessed son. The love of God. God so loved the world. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12 says, Love covereth all sins. If God loves me, you know what? All my sins are covered. Covered by the blood of his son so that they are no more. You see, God's covering makes it to where when he sees the sinner that he's covered, you know what? There is no sin. I wish it wasn't this way. I wish it wasn't. But if you sin against me or do me wrong, I will, by the grace of God, forgive you. And I hope you'll forgive me. Forgive me. But when we sin against somebody, we ought to forget it, but it's still there. Back in the back recesses of our mind. But when God forgives somebody, you never sinned. Their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Love covereth all sins. Love covers a transgression. Just by way of... um, Application, your spouse has many faults, except for me, mine doesn't, mine doesn't, but your spouse has many faults. You know what you're supposed to do? Cover them, cover them, don't expose them, cover them. Love covers a transgression. Thank God, God's love covers all Sin. Love gives. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He spared not his son. God so loved the world that what did he give? His only begotten son. He gave him to be nailed to the cross. Somebody says, why would he do something like that? Because he's just and holy. If he's going to accept me, I'm going to have to be just and holy. And the only way I can be just and holy is for my sin to be given to Christ and him to bear it and put it away and give me his righteousness. What love that God would give his son for sinners. His love gives. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the sin-removing sacrifice for our sin. When he said it is finished, my sin finished believer 
you have no sin. What about the sins I commit? They've been put away by the blood of Christ. All sin, past, present, and future, is blotted out by the blood of Christ. I remember one time I read somewhere where somebody was criticizing Christianity, and they said, well, uh, I criticize Christianity too, but what, but what they said is uh, Christianity is people who don't want to take responsibility for their own sin. Bingo. <laughs> Me, I don't, I don't want. Do you? You want to say, no, I, I want the Lord to bear it all and put it all away. 1 John 4.19 says we love him because he first loved us. Now here's uh, the point. God's love never goes unreciprocated. Never. We love him. We do. Every believer, well, I, I love him. You know, if you don't love him now, but he loves you, you're going to love him. <laughs> His love never goes unreciprocated. We love him. We love who he is. We love his attributes. We wouldn't change. And I, I, I love saying this. Um, there isn't a human being alive that if you knew him enough, there isn't things you'd like to change about him. I remember I said this before somebody said, I wouldn't change it. Well, you don't know me then. If you knew me, ask Lynn. There's plenty of things she'd change about me if she could. Some things I'd change about her too. Now, I'm... I'm, I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> I guess I'm already messed up when I said don't ever bring it. She's better than me. You know, my, my point is God is the one being that I wouldn't change if I could. He is perfect. He's without fault. I love all of his attributes. I love him. I love him. And I know why. It's because he first loved me. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. All of God's children they're not just his servants. They're his sons. Sons of God. Daughters of God. Children of God. Children by birth. Birthed into the kingdom of God. Partakers of the divine nature. Children by adoption. Adopted into his family. The adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself. And what that means is we have all the privileges of sonship. Join heirs with Christ. All the privileges of sonship. Listen to me, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. What do you got to be upset about or depressed about? You're a child of the king. What a privilege. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. You know what that means? Everything that happens is for your good. And he makes it that way. And his glory. John said in 1 John 4, 16, we have known and believed the love of God has toward us. And that doesn't mean simply, I believe God loves me. 
I said, what that means? You know, if you'd ask, you believe God loves you? Yeah, I do. Well, uh, that's not what this scripture is saying. We have known and relied upon the love God has to us. Everything I've said, I'm relying on with regard to I'm relying on his love as in Christ Jesus. He doesn't love me because of any loveliness in me, but because I'm in his son. I'm relying on that. I'm relying on his love being eternal and, and saving and gracious and covering. I'm relying on the love that we have known and relied upon, the love that God has to us. Now, not only, I've got two more things I want to say, then I'll be finished. I want to quote a passage of scripture from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Not only am I relying on God's love in Christ, listen to what God says about his love. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He rests in his love. He's so satisfied with his love to you. He rests in it. There's nothing you can do to change it. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know the Lord sings a song about you in his own great heart. That's what the scripture says. He'll rejoice over you with singing. Now here's my last statement. We'll talk about this glorious love of God. So other, who are the objects of his love? Who are the objects of his love? Now, there are a lot of things I could say. The church, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, there are a lot of things I could say about his love that may not uh, comfort me, even though I see they're true. But let me leave you with this thought. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Who does God love? Sinners. Are you a real sinner in the scriptural sense of the word? If you are, God loves you. And he gave his son to pay for your sins. And you are called upon to trust him right now completely. If you're a sinner, you'll do that. If you're not a sinner, I got no gospel for you. But if you're a sinner, God loves you. 
I can say that with full conviction. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom Paul said, I am the chief. When with the ransom and in glory, his face, I at last shall see, twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you that you are love. How we thank you that your love is in Christ Jesus. How we thank you that your love covers all sin. How we thank you for your love for sinners. Lord, reveal yourself to each one of us according to your will for the glory of your holy name. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Dwayne.